0: In this chapter, Noah goes on a dangerous mission, then receives some expected news.
1: Chapter 27 Next of Kin This shouldn't take long, was Noe's initial thought during the pre-mission brief. It was a routine Digital Infrastructure Demolition, DID, mission she had led countless times before, so her confidence was high that there would be no trouble. There had been reports of enemy Black Hat activity in the area, but the number of raids on support units had diminished in the weeks prior to the operation, so only a light escort team was necessary. Her target? A defense outpost just outside of a facility where several quantum computers were live and operational, allowing for the enemy to achieve digital superiority over the space. The fact that the facility was only running at 55% capacity Was somewhat suspicious. What else could they be planning? Where is the rest of their computing power coming from? There was a possibility of digital ambush, but other units couldn't spare the resources, forcing her to make do with what she had. Embracing the United States Space Force's unspoken creed to own the gray. She assembled her team. Four men, three women, and two bots materialized before her in the virtual waiting room. The small squad exchanged no words, only took action. Noises of militaristic preparation filled the air, originating from 9 out of 10 team members. One of the bots made no sound at all, as he or she, no one could never tell the difference, performed a weapon function check. Must be something wrong with their host server. A common problem with assets logging in on old or under-maintained servers. Her attention turned from the bot to her own gear. Weapon? Check. Comms? Good to go. Cyber disruption kit? All green. Her check was done seconds before the soundless glitch bot, who was the last to complete its preparations. With the gear ready and objective clear, they set out on their mission. From the waiting room, the small fighting force appeared in a field of tall grass bathed in moonlight. Noe noticed a bridge crossing a nearby river exactly a quarter mile from their position. The facility should be just beyond there. The squad clustered together, with Noe in the point position of the diamond formation. Under the light of a half moon, they waded through a field of tall grass, sparsely populated by large trees. One of the bots put a humanoid hand to its ear. I hear the river, it said. Must be close now. Noi received the message telepathically, feeling the uncomfortable brain nudge of arriving messages. She had never gotten used to someone else's thoughts hitchhiking on invisible waves into her mind. It was something she reserved for web browsing and missions only. Despite the uneasiness, she had to admit security was much better than easily intercepted traditional comms. Upon reaching the river, Noe directed her team with firm hand signals to follow it to the north. In less than a minute, They reached a bridge guarded by two enemy sentries, wearing black military field uniforms. Their faces were strained with concentration, eyes scanning the swaying sea of grass ahead. Noir approached one of the guards from behind with stealth, while the trickling of the flowing river aided to mask her steps. Within five paces of the first guard, she unholstered her cold stun ray, aimed at his neck, and fired. The guard fell in a heap. By the time the second whirled around to attack, she had pulled the trigger on him as well. He joined his fellow guard in the dirt near the foot of the bridge. Convinced the two guards were no longer a threat, she pulled up a holographic map of the battle space. Under 1,000 feet from the objective. Just have to cross the bridge, then it will be easy from there. With the path clear, She turned around to confirm the team's next course of action. To her surprise, she found none were behind her. She was alone. Where are they? Noe began to panic. The mission objective was so close, but how could she do it without them? What happened to them? Captured? Logged off? Fled? ded Dead? No. They couldn't be ded At the moment she made the decision to fall back to reconsider her options, something impacted her from behind. Her vision tunneled, legs slackened. She fell to the grass unconscious, without the opportunity to fire her weapon. She awoke in an interrogation cell. It was a small room with a dingy metal door, a bucket in the corner, and a metal table crammed against the wall. Noe was strapped to the floor with cold metallic constraints, bound at the wrists and ankles to the floor, Vitruvian man style. Her limbs stretched to form a giant X. She had been stripped of her field gear, and only wore her standard-issue midnight blue-colored t-shirt and her black tactical pants. She struggled against her restraints, but found no leverage in her disadvantaged position. Fear rising, her mind began to cycle through escape options. It was an attempt to block out thoughts of what her captors might do to her. There has to be a way out. Has to be. Then, the metal door opened, groaning on rusted hinges. Noy strained her neck to get a better view of her captor, her enemy. It was a woman, not much taller than she was. Her uniform was the same as the sentries at the bridge, with the addition of a black hood that covered most of her face. Only her hateful eyes were visible through an improvised opening in the hood. The homemade face covering made her appear more like a common thug than a soldier. The boots circled Noe, echoing with every definitive step. The woman in black stopped near her head, knelt down, then produced a device from one of her cargo pockets and held it up to Noe's field of vision. It was a polished black cylinder with a small rectangular head attached to the end. It looked like a fancy razor blade upon first glance. The woman set the device down gingerly onto the surface of the floor next to Noah's face. Noi maintained her vision toward the rotting ceiling, unwilling to acknowledge the object or its owner. You know what this is, the woman in black said. Her tone was brusque, voice partially hoarse as if it had been yelling at someone or something all day. Noe kept quiet. She concentrated all of her being on controlling her quivering limbs and the rising sense of foreboding gripping her entire body. She knew very well what the object was. It was stronger and more menacing than any archaic conventional weapon. Guns, swords, bombs, cyber-attacks, even lasers, none were more powerful in her mind. Death was preferable to having a digital extermination device DED, used on you. A dead? I thought those were made illegal by the Shanghai Conventions. Noise terror manifested in cold pools of sweat expanding at her armpits. The loss of control over her movement, combined with the awareness of the dead, merged into a ball of terror that threatened to escape from her mouth in the form of a scream. She fought with all of her being to suppress the feeling by showing a face of defiant resistance to the woman staring into her eyes. A dead had the power to end her digital life for good via the complete erasure of her existence in the virtual landscape. Any aspect of her life connected online from the most insignificant, like photos, to the most important, like medical records, and even her digital avatar companion, Vira, would be destroyed in seconds by a carefully calculated sequence and composition of light waves encapsulated in an object that looked like a hygiene product. The masked woman slammed an open palm on the table, causing an echo in the tiny cell. What was your objective? In response, Noah responded with the words she had been instructed to repeat should she ever become a prisoner of war in the physical or digital realm. Noelani Acosta, Captain, 626230392, July 17th, 2029, Server number 862623. Noelani Acosta, Captain, 626-230392, July 17th, 2029, server number 862623." She repeated the words an unknown number of times, while staring at the ceiling. She felt that it was only a matter of time, before she felt a black steel boot shatter her soft rib bones, or worse. The hand slam came again. Her captor grabbed the dead from the floor. Who sent you? Another slam on the table. The slam became a repeated pounding. First distant from the first, then closer and closer. The dead floated between her eyes. Noah clenched her eyes shut with full awareness that she was powerless to prevent the nameless mercenary from forcing her eyelids open and pressing one button, one button that would end her life as she knew it. She wrestled against her restraints in vain, only causing herself further pain in her already compromised position. Then she felt fingers, dry and cracking, forcing her left eye open. You will talk! Tears of frustrated sadness rolled down her cheek as she continued to fight. The bright white light triggered an involuntary shriek to escape from her lips. Her cries mixed with the laughter from the hooded mercenary. Noy sat up on her couch with a small gasp. It took her several seconds to realize she was in her living room. Safe. Drenched in sweat, heart pounding uncontrollably, muscles tense with fear from the fuzzy memory of the nightmare. She closed her eyes to calm herself. Normally, she would make a mental note to ask fyra to replay the nightmare later in her vial to help her analyze the submerged parts of her psyche that conspired to produce such a hellish scenario. That was not going to happen this time. Not a chance in hell. This one was headed to the permanent delete folder. She noticed a hint of morning light entering through the thin line between her parted curtains. She hurried to the kitchen sink and swallowed an entire glass of water in loud gulps. It made her feel a little better, but she still felt winded and shaky. The time on her refrigerator read 5.30. Guess I slept all the way through the night. A pounding on her apartment door caused her to jump. In her rattled state, she stumbled through the limited space of her apartment to answer it. She looked through the peephole to see a man in a suit. Her initial instinct was to walk away. I look and feel like shit. But what if it's... The memory of a brief phone conversation drifted into her mind. She unlocked the door and opened it. A large tall man, pecan-toned skin, stood before her. He wore a crumpled expensive suit with a loosened tie dangling about his neck. The face was full, haircut short but slightly overgrown. There was something vaguely familiar about his eyes. They were large and syrup-brown, and even in her shaken state, produced a twinge of nostalgia as she peered into them. The projected, muted strength of resolve in the tender gaze a resolve that had been thoroughly tested within the last 24 hours. The observation made Noe feel less self-conscious about her busted appearance and made her feel like she could trust the large man who had pounded on her door to unknowingly rescue her from her nightmare. Uh, Miss Costa? His voice was low and scratchy. Yeah, Noah's voice sounded far away, even to herself. I'm Rodan Mitchell. We spoke on the phone earlier today. I mean, yesterday. He took in the woman standing in the doorframe. In the interval between two blinks, Rodan's vision rang the length of her body from head to toe and back. It registered her regular midnight blue-colored T-shirt with dark sweat stains under the arms and breasts, her black running shorts with two smooth, muscular legs extending to the floor. Even with her unkempt appearance, she was beautiful. By the end of the second blink, he refocused on her face. The eyes, glossy and dilated, were a tawny shade of brown, containing a dash more orange than brown, as if live embers lay within, simultaneously emitting warmth while glowing with searing power. A pillow imprint was etched onto the left side of her face. She looked scared, but ready to fight. Rodin knew the look well. He had seen it too many times to count. <sighs> Who knows what kind of hell she's been through for the last twelve or so hours. And now this... Rodin dropped his head and raised his eyes to meet hers. I'm sorry if my knocking scared you. Didn't mean to alarm you. Can I uh speak with you for a minute? She's dead, isn't she? No said, her voice flat, arms crossing her chest. Rodan put his hands on his hips, then sighed heavily. He hesitated. I see directness runs in the family, (sighs) yeah, yes she is. I knew it. Hot tears stung her eyes, blurring her vision. I'm terribly sorry for your loss. Rodan was at a loss for words. He stared at the top of his weathered dress shoes to let the moment breathe. When he was a cop. Next-of-kin notifications were one of the parts of the job he had never gotten used to. He never thought he would have to deliver another one. Burning tears streamed down Noah's face as the realization of her mother's death hit her with devastating realness. She's gone. How many times did I warn her? Her Rodan looked as if he wanted to reach out and comfort her, but he took no action. Just stood looking with half-closed eyes toward an empty pot with a long-dead plant in it outside of the door. Through tears and the tightness in her chest, Noe managed to speak. How? Rodin raised his gaze, straightening himself to a professional posture despite his exhaustion. We're still gathering all the details. But the murderer appeared to have access to your mother's house, since there was no sign of forced entry. An initial medical examination determined that the cause of death was heart failure, but we'll know more after the official autopsy is complete. Noe shook her head. Tears fell wet and warm onto her chest. My mother didn't have any medical problems. She looked into Rodin's eyes with a hard gaze. It was one of them who did this, right? It was Limnick. A lump formed in Rodan's throat. He swallowed it to maintain his bearing and mask his anger. Limnick again. They won't get away with this. That remains to be seen, Miss Acosta. I have a team of people that I trust working on this. I promise we want answers as much as you do. We'll provide them to you as soon as we get them. The police are already working their investigation, but we'll be shadowing them every step of the way. Noit gave a weak nod. The lack of sleep and the exertion of crying made her feel lightheaded. She placed her hand against the doorframe to balance herself. Rodan moved to steady her, placing a firm hand on her arm. You're right? He said, reassuringly, you should get some rest, you know my number, if you need anything from me just send me a message, I'll contact you when we have more information about the situation. He gave her arm a tight squeeze, then made his way down the hall toward the elevator, dragging his heavy feet across the thin carpet. Noah closed the door made her way to her couch, and sat slowly. The memories of her strained relationship with her mother over the years came rushing back, burning their way through her like napalm. As waves of guilt surged and shook her to the core, she vowed at that moment to find her mother's killer and bring an end to Limnick, and, if necessary, serious too, once and for all. The failed utopian fantasy had gone on long enough and claimed too many lives, and she was going to be the one to put a stop to it.
0: Hey everyone, it's Keith Hayden from the Sirius and Limnick podcast, and thank you for listening to this latest episode. I'd just like to remind you that nothing is made for free, and neither is this podcast. I put a lot of time and effort and my own resources, of course, money, into creating this podcast, the hosting, the website, everything else associated with it comes directly out of my pocket. So, I have recently opened up the Sirius & Lemnick Future Flight book experience website to anyone who wants to go in there and check out everything that I have to offer in there. And one of the things that I have to offer is a way that you can support my show by donating through the Sirius & Lemnick Future Flight Fund. I like that name that I came up with, I thought it was pretty clever. And you could also buy a physical copy or an, excuse me, an e-copy of Sirius and Lemnick on that website. You can also visit keithhayden.net and you can find details about how to buy the book there. And I know you may be asking, why should I buy the book if you're just putting it out for free in podcast version? Well, what if you want to read ahead? What if you like the story so much you want to find out what happened? You don't want to wait for me to... Put out the next chapter so you can do that you can read as much as you want you can take notes you can take pictures of parts of the book whatever you want so it's yours to do whatever you wish and it gives you a little bit more freedom about how you consume this story and what you can get out of it and i think it just makes it a lot easier to share so if you don't mind helping me out and you like the show enough to where you want to throw a couple of bucks at it then you can go look in the show notes and I'll have links to where you can donate and purchase the book there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I look forward to putting out the next one as soon as possible. Have a great day.